For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Hi, John Solberg here, the host of the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. And you're listening to the Baseball and Barbecue Podcast. Studios of Baseball and BBQ on Long Island, New York. This is episode number 209 of Baseball and BBQ. I'm Jeff the Oku Cohen along with Leonard Hollywood Aberman. We welcome you back to our show, Leonard. Hello. What a difference a week makes. Yes. Jeff. We, we'll get to that in a second because. Like I said, you don't listen to the show for current events, but the baseball season has changed a lot. And yeah. actually, we're, we're going to get to that. But let's just tell everybody who our guests are, because this is a very special, it's a very special episode 209. We have Rennie LaRue. Jeff, who is Rennie LaRue? He's the executive director of the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame. But also, he does New York State Basketball Hall of Fame. And New York State Hockey Hall of Fame. Yes, he does. But the only one of those that has an actual physical building is the baseball one. But I have a feeling, who knows, those others might be, you know, we don't know what the future brings for those. But there's actually the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame. He not only is the executive director, but he spearheaded the whole thing where now there's a physical building. And we'll talk all about that in the interview. We have James Hare. And James Hare is from Cucamonga. I love saying that. Yes, who doesn't? <laughs> Cattle Company. We will talk all about his wonderful products. But first, let me just let everybody know that the last of the major pro sports league kicks off this week. And Bet Online is your top spot for all your NBA action this season. With Major League Baseball postseason, NFL and college football, and the NF the NHL in full swing, Bet Online is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Get everything NBA at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access for every sport anytime. Head to the Bet Online today to get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code BLEAV. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Bet Online. It is where the game starts. So, Jeff, I was saying, when we did this recording last week, around the same time, you had two teams that were up to nothing, the Astros and the Phillies. The Rangers were up to nothing. I'm sorry. The Rangers. Yes. Okay. And now the Rangers, well, when this is released, we're recording this on a Tuesday night. We're releasing it on Saturday. So there is a few days in between. But we do know that the Rangers are going to the World Series. Yes. And after tonight, we will know whether the Phillies or the Diamondbacks are going. So when this is released on Saturday... Everybody's going to go. <laughs> game one would have already been played because I think it starts on Friday night. So now you can really, you can make a prediction of who's going to be, who's going to win that game. You might not even have the right teams when you make this prediction. So let's skip that. Are you happy with how baseball is going? How about that? Well, you know, I've been very critical of baseball, you know, the playoffs, but it is what it is. You know, you you might have the Arizona Diamondbacks who won 84, 85 games this year. They might be going to the World Series. And that's what baseball wanted. That I don't know if that's what they wanted. I know a lot of people are complaining about it. But you know what? You put more you put more playoff teams in, it's bound to happen. They have more playoff rounds, which means more revenue, which means more money for the owners and, mm-hmm. and the players. You're not going back. So, you know, stop your complaining. It's it's here to stay. And I think there'll be more playoff teams once they add in two more teams to the league. To the league. Yeah, maybe there will be. But, Jeff, it's the NHL, the NBA. Aren't they the same way? If a team is hot at that time, they're, they're sure. going to advance, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so that is what, you know, baseball has become like the other sports. The hot team is the team that's going to, going to move forward and now there's different format playoff formats that's being thrown out there but you know what they're not going to give less games they're not, they're not going back to a one game playoff and then the next round and whatever that's not happening no, no you know it's all about the shekels right yeah you know what as they say the horse is out of the barn you can't put it back in the toothpaste is out of the tube it's not well, i think the back. horse can go back in the barn but the toothpaste can't go back in the tube toothpaste is a little difficult yes <laughs> i mean that you know it and i'm enjoying it okay maybe maybe it's because i don't have skin in the game i certainly understand that a team like you know, the uh, like the Atlanta Braves that, you know, wins 100 plus games and and they get bounced. Braves fans yeah. are not happy. Dodgers, Orioles, gone. But that's the, the that is what it is. And, and, and we know that the, the Rangers did not win their division. They're in the World Series. And we know the, the winner of tonight's game, Phillies and Diamondbacks, they did not win the divisions. Right. But I still find it exciting. Yeah. To me. I mean, again, doesn't matter to me who wins it. So if if it was my team, maybe I'd feel differently. But we know we know you're rooting for the Phillies. I'm rooting for the Diamondbacks. That is true. So far. So and I, I got Texas went in. I'm sorry that uh if you know the Dusty Baker um probably by the time this comes out, 
we might know if he's coming back, but the rumor is that he's going to retire. You know, of course, you would have liked to see Dusty Baker retire with another championship. I think Dusty Baker, though, is a Hall of Fame. He's yeah. a Hall of Famer. He's going in. And I, and so, you is, and I so, is Bruce, so is Bruce Brochi. Right. Anyway, Jeff, we have Rennie LaRue. You know that the format of this show sometimes changes a little bit. We usually do an intro for our guests. But Rennie came on and he was he was excited. And, and that's great. When you hear this interview, it isn't because you're catching it mid-interview. He just <laughs> started. We didn't. Exactly. So, so his intro is he's the executive of the director. York, right. Of the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame. And that's it. So let's go, Rennie. Including Daryl Strawberry over the summer. And I've got to tell you, I um, really like Daryl a lot. Yeah, well, he's uh, you know, yeah. he's had a long road, but interestingly, both he and Curtis Granderson both played for the Yankees and Mets. Yeah, we remember that. Oh, it's and Todd Zeal, uh, and Todd Zeal, and Todd Zeal. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it's a nice class. I'm really excited about Roger Maris's son Kevin coming and his family, and Elston's uh, Howard's daughter um, Cheryl is coming. Nice. And I think she's going to sing for us, sing the anthem. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, you got it. But it's you... a good class. You know, I'm really big on on scouts in the last couple of years. We did Billy Blitzer, you know, from Long Island. Uh, we did Johnny Morris, who's a lead scout with the Cincinnati Reds. And they both nominated uh, Joe Rigoli and uh, Sal Agustinelli, Cards and Phillies lead scouts. So nice. real good guys. A lot of years in the game. Very happy with them. You know, we've got another guy being inducted. You probably have never heard of this guy's name before. <laughs> Here we go. I know who he's going to say. Jake Fishman. Oh, Jake Fishman. not who I thought he was going to say. <laughs> who is Jake Fishman? So Jake Fishman went to Union College up here in Schenectady, New York. He's a 6'5", left-handed Dan Quisenberry. Oh. And he was the ERA leader in the in the in college in the nation in his senior year. He was a dominant center fielder when they brought him to Union, and it, he hides the ball so well nobody could hit him. He got to the majors last year with the Florida Marlins, and he did well. I you know numbers were good. He then was a free agent. He pitched for Team Israel uh, in the World yeah. Baseball Classic. He did well there. Signed a free agent contract with the Oakland A's. Not a great move, only because no. the A's are dysfunctional. Right. So he uh, he tweaked his elbow a little bit, signed the DL until July, and they released him because they signed him to a big deal in the offseason. He ended up pitching for the Long Island Ducks, and I have a feeling we'll see him in the major leagues next year. But a wonderful guy to get to the major leagues from Union College is Nothing short of a miracle. So yeah, that's, you're going to like him story. when you meet him. Yeah, that's you're going to like him when you meet him. Jake's a really good guy. You know, oh, Rennie, wow. how many people, and we know that he's he's great in his own right and what he does, but how many people think that the baseball player Rick Cerrone is going to be inducted? Oh, boy. <laughs> Funny you mention that because Rick Cerrone from Baseball Digest, who used to be the Yankees, hates that. <laughs> hates to be linked with him. He, wow. he, one day he was a little frustrated. And he goes, 
40 years I've been going through this. <laughs> He's Rick with two R's. Rick the right. player is one R. And they're friends. They're friends. They get along well. But Rick's like constantly being confused with him. Right. And he's he came to the hall uh, a couple weeks ago just to see in advance. He has some relatives in Albany. So he drove up from Jersey and he's done a great job with Baseball Digest. Really nice job. And they're still surviving, you know, in, in this environment where Sports Illustrated, are they still in print at all? Oh, I haven't seen that. But, uh, but, but Baseball Digest is still in print. I think it comes out like six times a year. Yeah, and they're doing well. They, they, I really like their layout. The writers are good. They contribute articles. And so, Rick, you know, I, I worry about perception and what people are going to think of the hall. He loved it. He was really surprised. I, you know, like it's – I I love Cooperstown. I've been there a gazillion times. and You know, my hall is never going to be Cooperstown. We're not even in the same league, not even close. But, you know, we gutted this building and restored it. And uh, it's getting better every day. So we're getting closer. We opened in July, and now we're only open on Saturdays. We'll close for the winter soon. More renovations to take place. But we, our theater is great. Staten Island Ferry Hawks, Gary Perone, gave me 50 stadium seats for our theater. Oh, nice. Nice. And Gary got inducted last year. Right. We remember. And rumor yeah. ha- has it that those seats. I think the Ferry Hawks are owned by the Yankees, Randy Levine, I think. I think they got a lot of those seats when they tore the stadium down. Uh, so uh, there's a feeling that those 50 seats we trucked up the thruway are Yankee stadium seats. Oh. <laughs> Same color. Blue. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, – I really like this class a lot. You know, um, oh, it you is. know Ron Jamaris' son, you, you – you guys are a little younger than me, so you might, don't really remember him. But he told me, like, after he hit the 61 home runs in 61, he had a very severe hand injury. Never went on the DL, played through it. But it essentially robbed him of his power. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he they traded him to the Cardinals in 67, where he batted 385 on the World Series. And it was, it was a big part of that Cardinals World Series team. He was a devastatingly good outfielder with a great arm. Didn't run on him. Didn't run on Jay Buhner. Didn't run on Ichiro Clemente. All the same defensive aptitude. But Roger, I asked Kevin Maris, tell me, you know, 61. He goes, he goes, yeah, pretty accurate, you know, pretty true to life. And I think Billy Crystal is sending us a video as a compliment nice. to Roger's induction. Nice. And Bob Costas called him for me and said, hey, Let's go to this. And Billy goes, I'm in L.A. that week, and I, I can't get there. Oh, but wow. he and <laughs> Kevin are very close. <laughs> that and, would have been. Uh, Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking for a minute. Uh, we're inducting another guy who can't come, but he's sending people. His name is Bob Aspromonte. Right. Okay. Grew up in Brooklyn. Brother Ken played for the Angels. He His first at-bat was 1957 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. I think he was 19. So they moved to L.A. He plays for the Dodgers in 59 and 60, and he got selected in the expansion draft by the Houston Colt 45s. Where he, be- he became their first all-star, and he was their Derek Jeter in Houston. And while he was there, first all-star, he used to go to this one certain politician's 
rallies and speeches. And as this gentleman won his first election, if it was announced that Bob was going to be there, they would get, like Cheater, thousands of fans. So they, he forged a special friendship with this politician. And the next election, he moved up. He won again, Astro Big Park. Then again, he, he wins. He moves up again. He wins again. Astro's right there with him, lending all support. Finally, he runs for one more office and wins. Do you know who it was? Who's that? George Bush. Ah. <laughs> so George Bush is his biggest fan. Wow. So we're hoping we may get a video from President Bush. Oh, he loves go. Astro, loves him. Like uh-huh. Astro, I think, is 89 or 99, but he's sharp as a tack, handsome guy. He has uh, some health issues, so what, he may get on the plane. He may not. We'll see what his wife and doctor say. But he's been waiting for this for a year. He's so excited. But I have two guys from Tennessee that are really close with him, and they're flying up, and if he doesn't speak, they'll give a speech for him. But nice. uh, the story about uh, – I actually verified that with the Houston Astros. They said, yes, President Bush, big Astro Monty fan. And they wow. gave me a nice tribute for Astro too. So that's a great story. you know. Absolutely. Could I ask you, who is uh, Mike Lederman? I'd never heard of him. Okay, Mike Lederman, boy, he was a really good-looking guy. He died of Lou Gehrig's disease maybe six years ago. Really handsome guy. He was a multimillionaire furniture czar in New York City, in Long Island. But he was very involved with youth baseball. Victor Feld is on my board, and he's an inductee. He's 85, I think. And Victor is the head of the GNYSAA, Greater New York Sandlot Athletic Association. Thousands of kids, all ages, you know, they don't have a way to really make money. So when they were short, Victor would go to to Mike Lederman and say, gee, Mike, I'm sorry to be here. but And Mike would say, how much do you need, Victor? And he'd say, well, I need five grand. He'd just take out the check and gave it to him. No repayment. No, didn't have to sign anything. Just here, take it. Did that several times. Just out of the goodness of his heart to help kids. Mm -hmm. So when Victor nominated him, if you read his obituary online, really moving you know his whole his wife and kids are coming and you know he it's hard to die from als but sure what a mark this guy made for youth baseball i'm very sensitive to that you know we really don't induct a lot of dead people because they're not going to come but in mike Lederman's case i had to do that to, mm-hmm. to recognize the you know his uh contributions to the game of baseball that was good yeah, you know, I, I like this year we'll be sold out again, you know, for our That's what I wanted to ask you that, Rennie. I wanted to ask you. I know last year you had 492 people and right. uh, just the just the inductees alone this year probably uh is one of their biggest <laughs> classes, right? Yeah, we we run similarly to this size. Not everybody comes every year like Aspro, but you know, the other guy I'm really happy about is Chris Chambliss. Now, you know, I'm a baseball fan, but I have a soft spot for those Munson, Pinella, Chambliss, Bucky, Dad, Randolph teams. I mean, I love those teams. Of course. I'm revisiting Chambliss's life, and I'm searching for him on the, on the Internet. And I pull up the home run against Kansas City because there's a picture 
after he hits it of Munson behind him, jumping up in the air with glee. It's a tremendous picture. But then I, I watch his home run trot. There were hundreds of fans on the field. When he rounds second base, they're tackling the guy. He actually yeah. hit the ground. They grabbed his hat. He was blocking like a fullback trying to score. <laughs> Do you remember seeing that home oh, run yeah. trot? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't absolutely. have no idea it was that crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it was nuts, that's for sure. I remember it was off Mark Littell, uh in right center field. It just cleared the wall, and they went nuts. Yeah. Dom Scala was here this weekend. We had our first youth baseball clinic across from my Hall of Fame. And I asked him about that, and Dom was like, those days were crazy. Dom was the unofficial protector of Billy. So when he was the bullpen coach, and and George personally hired him. So he said, listen, Billy goes out, you go with him. So he he told me a, a couple of times he had to step in because guys were gunning for Billy all the time, trying to provoke a fight. So he said one night they were in Anaheim. They were at this restaurant near the field. A bunch of the coaches, Yogi, Billy, him, this one guy kept sort of provoking and Dom walked over and said, Hey, listen, you know, now isn't the time really you're never supposed to approach anybody where they're eating at a restaurant. Like you can't ask their autograph while they're eating their, you know, cheesecake. It's just, you can't do it. So this guy then gets up and proceeds to approach him anyway, whereupon Dom took him out with a right to the chin, knocked him cold. But they got it in the papers. They identified Dom as the culprit. And his wife called him, what are you doing out there? You know, your name's all over the papers. So he goes, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in trouble. So they fly back to New York. George calls him in. He goes, what happened? He goes, well, I'll tell you, you told me to protect Billy. I was protecting Billy. This guy was gunning for him. And he goes, Good job. Good job. Get out of here. <laughs> so uh, Dom Scal is going to introduce Alston Howard. Rain and Groan's going to introduce Chris Chambles and Strawberry. Nancy Newman's our MC again. She's doing quite a few people. The hotel this year said, hey, you got to cut back the seats a little bit. We're getting a little tight in that room. So <laughs> I think we're topped out at 440 or 450 this year. Oh, really? We don't have time to set the trays up in there. you know. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. 450 is good. No. I'm fine with that. We have been. J- Jeff and I are counting the days. That is like yes. one of the highlights of yes. the year. You know, it, it's really a fun event because you can approach those guys. You can do a show there. They'll, they'll they'll spend time with you. Yeah. They're all really polite, you know, a little bit more polite than most. Daryl is really, uh, he came here to Clifton Park where I live because I was having a little difficulty in in arriving at the decision to induct him. And I must have interviewed a hundred people. What do you think? How do you feel? And they were all pretty much for it. But so I said, listen, I need to look in his eyes. I need to sit three feet across from him. I need him to tell me he wants to be in the Hall of Fame, that it means something to him. So a mutual friend says, come to, come to my office down the street from me. Friday at noon, Daryl will be there. So he drives up from New Jersey. I meet with him. The guy leaves, just me and him. And I I said, listen, you know, um, I'd like to consider you for the Hall of Fame, but I need to hear it from you. 
that it matters to you, that you want to be in this Hall of Fame. And he goes, more than you can imagine. He goes, very important to me. And he's looking me straight in the eye. The guy that nominated him was Rain Negron, 50 years with the Yankees, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're, they're community guy. I said, call him on the phone. So we get on a conference call. I said, Ray, I'm here with, with Daryl. I said, I want you to be the first to congratulate him. He's being inducted on November 11th. And they, we all had a tear. We all had an emotional moment. And it was just, I'm now that I've gotten to know him, I, I feel bad that I was a little uh, cautious with us. Because I'm not cautious. I don't have a t- tough time making a decision on anybody. Like, if you call me, I can pretty much say, yeah, he'll go on the list. He's a possibility or not really. Never. He's the only guy I've ever had that kind of uncertainty about. And now I, I, you know, I, I might have erred on the side of caution, but I'm really glad he's getting in. It's good for him. Yeah. And a lot of, and literally, like three weeks after that, the Mets decided to retire his number. I've got an invite out to Steve Cohen to come. He loves Daryl. You never know who's going to show up at one of my dinners. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> That's Jeff. We yeah, got, we got to be on the ready. <laughs> yes. That's great. You know, you know yeah, Randy. Last year we met at the dinner. We met Yogi Berra's son, Larry. Yes. And what a wonderful gentleman. And we met him at the Yogi Berra Museum. He gave us a tour. It was just, uh, you know, just you, you never know the relationship. Like you, you said, you never know the relationships you're going to make. And he was just fantastic. So last year I was so busy. The room was packed. And I sort of met him in passing. His date introduced me. And she goes, it's Larry Barrett. And I said, oh, hi, Larry. And I think I kept on going. And I, oh, I screwed that up. So, um. Early in the season at Yankee Stadium, one of my guys, Joe Whiting, you know, is a New York City guy, and he says he calls me on a cell phone and he goes, "Listen, have you inducted Yogi yet?" And I said, "No." Well, he's he's with Larry at the stadium, and so Larry was there also. Or Joe was with him last year because they came for Bucky. So Larry goes to Joe, uh, "You know, Renny, right?" He goes, "Oh yeah, really well." He goes. Is there any reason why my dad's not in the Hall of Fame? So, um, so he he goes. He's, I'll be right back. He goes to. He calls me on a cell phone, and he goes, uh, "Hey, Yogi's not in, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, nobody's nominated him yet. You know, I, I can't arbitrarily just induct people." He goes, "I hereby nominated." I said, I "Seconded." So he goes back to see Larry, <laughs> and he goes, he "Goes, Larry, we we'd like to induct Yogi this year, but Larry plays." softball in an over 70 league and he they go all over minnesota north dakota wisconsin ohio so this that weekend they have a tournament they only have 11 guys in their team what position do you think larry plays he's got to be catcher he's a catcher of course and i call him he goes rennie he goes we very much accept you know my daughter Lindsay who did the documentary about him, which was fabulous. Yeah, this will be there next year. So he's going to be in next year. Ah, and, 2024. Uh, nice. Jeff, yeah, reserve your got, seats now. We've got to get our reservations yeah. in now. I know. Ready? We're, oh, we're oh, in. <laughs> and, and I think Larry and uh, Lindsay will both talk. Yeah. Nice. And uh, they yeah. gave me a copy of that documentary to play in my hall. Uh-huh. It was in theaters for a while. I'm not sure whether it is now. Yeah. But – uh, it was a great. Have you seen the documentary? 
Yes. 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 Yeah. Fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah. It was yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. No, it was it was terrific. Yes. Yeah. And uh and and of course Larry, uh, like we said before, was was a guest on this show. So yeah. uh, so was Lindsay. And Lindsay so was as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, they're Great. wonderful people. Wonderful. Yes. They really are. Renee, I wanted and, to ask you last last year we read a book by Paul Dr. Paul Semendinger on uh, on Roy White. And I remember asking you if Roy White was in the base, New York State Baseball Hall of Fame, and you said he wasn't, and because he turned it down. His wife just passed like three weeks, oh. four weeks ago. Oh. And she had a kidney disease where she used to have to go to Pittsburgh with Roy for treatment. That was the place that could handle her. She was sick for several years. So Roy didn't really want to go far from home. Right. So makes sense. we've talked. I told him. You have an open invitation for induction. Anytime you want, you know, you're invited. You'll, we'll induct you. Okay. So I'm assuming he'll be next year, too. Okay, great. Yeah, because he's well-deserved well it. I mean, he was a fabulous oh God, Yankee. Yeah. 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 Really good guy. Uh, so, Rennie, let's talk about this very new brick-and-mortar location at 45 Harrison Street in Gloversville, New York. It is the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame. Just one of the things I read about it is there's a $2.5 million baseball collection. So, Rennie, tell us about this. You actually made a dream come true. Well, you know, I, I did, and it's you know a long time in coming. Fulton County, where this building is, had the building, and they more or less gave me the building. They didn't give me title to it, but they said, 10 years for a dollar, knock yourself out. And um, I said, well... Yeah, you know, let's agree. I said, but I'm not running stuff by you. I'm not giving you carpet samples. You're not, I, <laughs> you have to give me complete free reign. They said, you got it. So we, when I opened the front door, I was like, I'm out of my mind. You know, this is 45 minutes from Cooperstown, an hour from my house. It's a nice drive, though, upstate New York, scenic. But I had, when I first took possession, it was like a year ago. Myself and Mr. Sledgehammer and some other people came and we were knocking walls out and <laughs> knocking islands out. And it was months just to gut the building out. The theater was a, was a garage. It was an auto parts store, industrial wow. auto parts. And the garage doors were huge, like 12 feet high. So I'm like, here's my theater. So we had to, that was my special project. And I knew that theater would really make the hall give it dimension. So we have those 50 seats Gary Perron gave us. But across the street, these two crazy guys that I love to death, Dave Karpinski and Mike Hauser, they put $1.8 into this old Parkhurst field, this ancient field. The, the uh, grandstand had gotten torn down. So they bring me out, and they said, Moonlight Grand played on this field. And they gave me the documentation. Chief Bender, Cy Young, Honest Wagner played on that field. And they said, we're going to rebuild this exactly the way it was in 1906. And I, as soon as they said Moonlight Graham, I was like, okay, I can do this. They, and they were the ones who had control of this building. But never in my life have I known any politician in any office to be so nice and easy to work with as these guys. These guys from Fulton County, there's 18 board of supervisors, and I have like 18 new best friends. Because they wanted it's a it's an economically depressed area. They wanted me there. I, I'm the biggest game in town there with this Hall of Fame. 
so uh, as, as we get going, one of the two guys who built this field had gotten in touch with Stanley Silver from Beverly Hills. Stanley Silver started collecting baseballs with his dad in 1926. And they used to, his dad would take them. He was from Chicago and they would get autograph balls. So over the years, he sort of got, it's his hobby. He collects autograph baseballs. Most of them he had signed in front of him. Jackie Robinson, Satchel Page, Stan Musial, Thurman Munson. I mean, on and on. And he's got a Garrig and a Ruth ball. He, he bequeathed that collection to us. Uh, and we, you know, our lawyers met with his lawyers and, you know, it was very easy. You know, we have to display them 24 seven, which we are. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll display them correctly. So they're not in direct sunlight. So the signatures won't fade. But Bob Costas is in LA and he went out to see the collection. He said, it's fabulous. We sort of asked him like, well, why didn't Cooperstown theological place? But, I don't think they would take the whole collection and display it and not move it. I mean, that collection is going to be there when I'm gone, you know, for sure. Mm. So we can't sell anything. We can't give anything away. But this collection, it's online. You can punch in YouTube, Stanley Silver Autograph Baseball Collection. We get the collection upon his passing. So we've got all the paperwork signed, and uh, we have the wall space for it. We ordered mm. the plexiglass to put him behind. So he's 86, I think. And the interesting thing is he's got two sons. We wanted to make sure it was okay with the boys because it would have been their inheritance. But sure. I think he's got another inheritance, you know, a much bigger fortune. So, And I don't think either of the boys really are baseball-centric the way we are. So, mm-hmm. But we're thrilled about that, really happy, and we're trying to get – Mr. Silver to come to the dinner, you know, it, he loves the game and very much a gentleman, you know, really loved this guy for us to get that collection. I, I think it may be one of the better autograph baseball collections in the country. Wow. That's it. Go. You got to go to 45. Well, it's not there yet. I can't. No, well, yeah, this, the ball collection isn't there yet, but the hall looks right. pretty good. The, the, uh, the museum is great. So that's at 45 Harrison Street in Gloversville, New York. But when this guy passes on, he, you will get his collection. So, but we're I not. Just hope I hope he has him. a long that's life. Right. Yeah. I, let's hope he has a long life, though. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, exactly. But Brian Kenny came for our grand opening. We had 500 people. He was great. That's online on YouTube. And then Bob Costas has done our promotional videos for it. He, he and I are, we play trivia on cell phones at night. I'll send them like, what famous people were in Joey D and the Starlighters band? Joey D and the Starlighters, Peppermint Twist was their big hit. Peppermint Lounge was on, I think, East 46th Street. And I stumped them. The answer, Joe Pesci and Jimi Hendrix played <laughs> in his Joey D and the Starlighters. Wow. Who knew that? Who knew? Now we know. We yeah. didn't know that before. <laughs> and Frankie Valley's brother also played with Joey D and the Starlighters. I love that 60s trivia stuff. <laughs> I can't stump him on baseball, though. He's unstumpable. Oh, is he? Oh, he's here's the oh, question yeah, cool. for tonight. There is a major league player who played in 92 games, did not get an at-bat once. Position player. <laughs> 
Herb Washington? Herb Washington? Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! Very good. Wow. That wasn't easy. <laughs> Wait, Jeff, you kept, you're kept you keeping your reputation. I, I guess so. I guess wow. so. Randy, one other uh, inductee I want to ask you about is uh, our, our friend. We met him a couple of times, Eric Sherman. He's a oh, great God. writer. What, what a yeah, writer he is. Great writer and, and a really good guy. And, um, you know, I, I've become friends with Eric over the years. He came personally to induct Jerry Kuzman because he and Kuz are real good friends. Mm-hmm. He's real close with that team and the 86 Mets and Red Sox teams. And uh, he just came out with the Fernando book on Valenzuela, which is great. I'm reading it now. But Eric is, uh, you know what? He is so respectful and appreciative of being inducted. You know, he, when we talked, I I mean, I wanted to ask him just to see whether he'd be, he goes, of course, I'd love to be in the Hall of Fame. That's wonderful. Really good guy. I mean, he's a great speaker too. And that's, you know, we, we pride ourselves on the diversity of who we are, writers, umpires, women, men, Ray Negron, you know, Lorraine Hamilton last year for the Mets. So I'm really, uh, I think like Bernie told me once that that was the reason that he thinks we got the formula right. Cause we induct pe- people from all walks of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just major leaguers. And we also are a big hall organization as opposed to a small hall. I mean, wouldn't it be like one of the guys, you know, Karpinski is getting in this year. Chris Chambliss is boyhood favorite, boyhood hero, idol. Mm-hmm. So I, how special is that to go in with somebody that you grew up liking, you know? It's, you know, I'm also looking forward for Dave Valley being inducted because he's from Bayside, New York, which is where I'm from. So it's like hometown kid makes good. So Ray Negron nominated Dave Valley. He, he does TV stuff for both Seattle and Texas. His charitable work, his charitable foundation, I forget which island it is. It's an island nation near the Dominican. He donates millions of dollars to this organization. And he, he's really well thought of in baseball. Both organizations love him. I like him. Real hard guy to get on the phone, though. Uh-huh. You need to talk to him when you see him on, on that night. Um, you know. I plan to. I definitely plan to. <laughs> Are you guys coming up Friday or we, Saturday? Well, Saturday morning. With the, yeah, Saturday morning. Okay. Yeah, if you get there early, we, I, we, if you want somebody aside, you know, pull them aside and you can set up an interview. Them. Oh, Fantastic. that'd be great. Yeah, that'd we, be great. We appreciate it very much. Yeah. 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 It, I know that when I see you in action, it is, you're like a force of nature when you're at that point. <laughs> it's, it's a you know, sight well, to last behold. Year, Todd Zill was there. I didn't even know he was in the house. I looked down, and there's Todd Zill. And I'm like, oh, geez. <laughs> you were busy. And, you know, when you, I mean, What's a normal wedding reception? 250, 300, right. something it, like that. It, yeah, that's I've got big. 450, 480, yeah. 490. I mean, and it's, I, it's hard because it, I'm trying to bounce everything at the same time. And as long as nobody dies or gets hurt, it's a success. <laughs> I'm happy. You know. I, I tell you, Ronnie, last year when we sat down, we had, for some reason, we were sitting with Ron Bloomberg at his table. And that uh, nice. was just fantastic. And then we had Louis Tiant at the next table. It was just, yeah, we were in heaven. It was just the greatest experience. What was it like sitting at Ronnie's table? Oh, it was just fantastic. Oh, the, he's the, the friendliest guy. The stories that come out of his mouth is just, <laughs> just great. Oh, he has no filter. No filter. Oh, none. <laughs> like none. My fingers crossed. <laughs> 
please, no filter. Yeah. <laughs> so at one point, Tommy Agee was being inducted and his widow and daughter were there. And he talked about growing up in the deep, deep South and how the KKK really wasn't friendly to him. And I looked at the Agees and they were just sort of shaking their head. But I explained to him it was no, you know, there was no yeah. malice in his mind. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, of course not. Yeah, absolutely. He was a tremendous basketball player too. Could have played at UCLA. He was that yeah. good. Yeah, it, it was I mean, it was fun. It was fun with Louis Tiant at the next table, and they were kind of uh, jibing each other. You know, they were yeah. giving each other heck, and that was you know because if people don't know, uh, Louis Tiant is who pitched to Ron Bloomberg when he took his first at bat as exactly. the first ever DH. So and was, he walked him, I think, right? Yeah, he did. And, and he was like, swing the bat, you know. What's this? <laughs> so one of my deep secret underground missions that I try and navigate deep under the waters, I'm trying to get Tion into Cooperstown. Everything I do at the hall, I ask their permission to be there. Mm-hmm. I ask their permission to do anything. It's just the right thing. We inducted Jane Forbes Clark as the first woman. So um, I paid a guy who I didn't know who is a statistical guy, analytics guy. I said, I'm going to give you some money, and and in seven days, you come back to me, you tell me whether Louis Tiant is Hall of Fame, Cooperstown worthy. week later, he calls me, and he goes, oh, yes, uh, all my analysis seems to clearly indicate that Mr. (laughs) Tiant should be in Cooperstown. And I looked at him. I mean, his numbers are better than Drysdale. I mean, there's some other pitchers that he clearly – in the year of the pitcher in 68, I think his ERA was 185 through nine shutouts, you know. I mean, and the guy was, he reinvented himself when his arm went bad. Started with Cleveland, did great. When he went to Minnesota, hurt his arm. Then he resurfaces as the ace of the Red Sox. Right. So I said, I talked to him quite often on the phone. I said, Louie, you, you pitched to Munson and Bisk in the same career. Who was better? Because I cannot tell you was they were both <laughs> tremendous, the best two catchers in baseball. He goes, I loved them both. And then he told me that when Thurman passed, he played, he pitched that night against Baltimore. And he said, I pray to God that I win this baseball game more than any other I wanted to win this game. He got beat one to nothing. And then a couple of days later, Mercer had the five RBI night and, and they rallied from the bottom of the ninth. Kenny Singleton was a great guy. He's in our Hall of Fame. He was the last person to walk off the field in that game, the Mercer game. And he told me, he goes, you know, they, they went to the World Series that year in 79. And he goes, we were not unhappy that the Yankees won that game. Like there was almost a sense of, happiness for them in our locker room. He said, nobody was upset that we lost that game. And Singleton said he had tears in his eyes because when they took the field, everybody in this was crying and upset. They just buried him that day. You will, you know, Pinella and Mercer eulogized him. And he said, there wasn't an era of baseball in the stadium. They're losing for nothing. Mercer brings them back, and they when he goes, the place went crazy. The Yankee Stadium just went nuts, rocking, you know. And Mercer, of course, very sentimental. But Singleton, he's a great guy, and he was a great Yankee announcer. I miss him greatly. He is my favorite Yankee announcer. 
Randy, what about Jeff and I were talking about this? You're close enough to the Hall of Fame, you know, within an hour, which is great. Josh Rawich, the uh, the president, the current president of the uh, Hall of Fame to uh, come to the dinner. He's invited. He's invited. I met him Cooperstown Hall of Fame weekend and he um, he is really a great guy. I mean, really great guy. He's the right guy for that job. He's already done well. We inducted Carl Erskine and Gil Hodges in the same year, 2021. Gil Hodges Jr. came. Gary Erskine came. We we made a big push for Gil because his name was on the alumni ballot. We had an interesting campaign for him. We needed 12 votes. We got 12. That was the year Jim Cat, Tony Oliva, Minnie Minoso. They inducted mm-hmm. four off the senior ballot, never before, never since. But Carl Erskine is still alive. He's the last of the boys yeah. of summer. Two no-hitters. Still alive. I talk to him once every two or three weeks. He's sharp as a tech. He can talk baseball. Hey, Carl, how about that home run you hit in Milwaukee? Well, he goes, well, picture, oh, it was a slider. It got in, and I just hit it. I hit it. Good, you know. So Erskine's great. There's the biggest Brooklyn Dodger fan in the country is a guy named Jerry Reinsdorf. Oh, okay. Reinsdorf owns the White we, Sox we heard, and the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan grew <laughs> up, and, he, and he's really serious about the Dodgers. This year, he's on the board of Cooperstown. This year, they voted Carl Erskine the Buck O'Neill Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. It gets better. Carl really can't travel. So when the statue was made, he and Jane flew to Gary, Indiana, drove to his house, and presented it to him in person. Oh, wow. How classy is that? That's great. That's fantastic. Oh, my God. And, oh. You know, so next year, we're also going to induct a guy named Joe Black. Joe Black. Okay. Joe Black was the first African-American to win a World Series game, 1952. He was Rookie of the Year, 115, save 15. His daughter works for Jerry. Works for Jerry personally. So, and I know that we've already told her, you know, is that her dad's going in. He was a wonderful guy. He was an executive at Greyhound Bus Lines. He was a scout for the Diamondbacks. Great career in the game. And I, you know, I love those Brooklyn Dodger guys. Love them. I just want to let everybody know to check out your website, nysbhof.com, New York State Baseball Hall of Fame. It shows you all the inductees and go back past years. They have the, the, the videos of the speeches. Just a, a great, great place to find baseball history and New York State baseball history. But, you know, these just it's for all-time baseball, obviously. Thank you so much for that. I really look forward to seeing you guys on November 11th. We can't oh, wait. We'll be there. We'll be there. Randy, thank you so much for joining us for the, this evening. It was incredible stories. Thank you very much. And like you said, we'll see you on November 11th. Yeah. We're looking forward and to I it. I love thank your you, show, Randy. too. I love thank your you. show. You guys do great work. Thank you very thank you. much. Thank you. That means a lot coming from yeah. you. So that really touches us. Yes. Thank you, Randy. We appreciate thank you, Randy. See you soon, guys. All right. Have All a right. good night. Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings Podcast. And if you like barbecue like baseball then you have to listen to baseball and bbq with jeff and lynn they always have the best guests from the world of baseball and the world of barbecue all in one little package so check it out baseball and bbq with lynn and jeff 
Okay, guys, take it away. And thank you, Rennie. We are excited to go to that dinner next week. Oh, yeah. You cannot wait. The people that are going to be at that dinner that are being inducted that might be there, you know, I mean, it's it's going to be a who's who. And I should correct myself in two weeks. I'm so excited. I wanted to come already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Looking looking forward to it. And Rennie's right. You know, he it is. It's like making it's like making a wedding. What a job. What a job he does. Now we know what to expect. Looking forward to it. Hopefully we'll we'll report back to everyone. We'll have maybe some interviews. We'll see. You you just never know. But one thing you do know is that if you go to baseballbbq.com, you're going to find some incredible grilling tools and accessories. Spatula, fork, tongs, all with baseball bat handles. And what about a cutting board? And they sell Chef Rube's diamond dust. Yes, they do. Uh, And sauce. Yeah, absolutely. And I was saying the cutting board shaped like home plate. Now that's pretty cool. Yes, it is. Yeah. I happen to have one myself and I really love it. The only thing is you got to tell your butcher that when he gives you your brisket, he's got to shape it like home plate. So it fits. (laughs) And the joke's getting old. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But so am I. (laughs) If you want to reach the show. Len, what's the phone number? Oh, I don't know. You know, it's it's... 516-855-8214. Give us a call. Leave a message. Our email is baseball at bbq at gmail.com. Please send us an email. Leave us a comment on our Facebook page, Baseball and BBQ. Give us a comment on X or Twitter at Baseball and BBQ. Instagram, Baseball and Barbecue, where barbecue is all spelled out. We have a website, www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And Len, what do we, we want people to do? We want you to rate us. We want you to subscribe to us. We want you to tell your friends. Anything else? Review us. Review us. Five stars, of course, would be would be nice. And Absolutely. in exchange for that, Jeff, you have something for our audience. It's time for the baseball quote of the week. Baseball, it is said, is only a game. True. And the Grand Canyon is only a hole in Arizona. Not all holes or games are created equal. That's political commentator George Will. Very nice. Thank you for that, Jeff. So, Jeff, what I love about this is that we're we're only halfway through the show. We are. Yeah, because we still have James Hare from a Cucamonga Cattle Company. Say that again. Uh, Cucamonga. <laughs> Cucamonga. And if everybody goes to Cuca, that's C-U-C-A-C-A-T-T-L-E-C-O.com. And uh, listen to this, then go to that website. You're going to be very happy and very hungry. So give it a listen. Here's James Hare. The Cucamonga Cattle Company are the makers of rubs and sauces, which started out as just barbecuing for friends and family. Our guest was not satisfied with commercial spices and rubs on the market. So he did what he needed to do and made his own. James Hare is the proprietor of Cucamonga Cattle Company, located in Rancho Cucamonga, which is outside of Los Angeles. James is also a barbecue competition team. In their first event, 
They took home grand champion. How about that? Welcome to Baseball and BBQ, James. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I, I think you just have the name Cucamonga so you can make everybody uh, <laughs> sound. They can't say it. Cucamonga. It's fun, it's though. Fun. I grew up in Cucamonga. So I, I, watching Bugs Bunny and the Abbott and Costello always had something with Cucamonga. Yeah. To me, it was always, okay, that's odd. <laughs> James, we've got to do the, you know, what all barbecue podcasts must do. We must find out your origin story. So tell us, how did you get your start in barbecue? When I was younger, my dad and family liked to do horse rides like over the weekend. And I, my butt didn't like to do it. So I ended up riding with the truck to go to the next stop and helping set up. And that means you cook. And so I started learning. At the tender young age of about 10, we I was tending the, the pits by myself and, wow. and cooking. And I was a, I, my dad was a cook, so I learned, I'd already learned to cook a little bit, but it just sort of grew from that. You fast forward about oh, 20 years, 30 years, yeah, 30 years, and lose your job. And your wife says, do the barbecue stuff. And so that's what I did. I started uh, Cucamonga Cattle Company, named after, there's a movie called Culpepper Cattle Company. My dad used to watch westerns exclusively and i remember when it was a five or six culpepper cattle company comes out and i thought cucamonga cattle company that sounds cool and it stuck with me my wife said what are you gonna name the company that was it sounds, so started, sounds pretty cool <laughs> we started with one rub i called it trail boss to begin with then i got a partner and uh, he wanted to change it to what's that dare like worcestershire okay i went with that for a couple of years and i just telling you What's that there barbecue rub by Cucamonga Cattle Company is just such a mouthful. So we change it back. My my partner quit. I change it back to uh, Trail Boss and never look back. Let's go to the rubs. So on your webpage, it's a C-U-C-A-C-A-T-T-L-E-C-O.com. So kukacattleco.com. The rubs, I love how when you put the uh, the pointer over the rubs, it gives you that close-up view. Yeah, it looks like you. Yeah. And and these rubs look they look like they've got some good stuff in them. So uh tell us how you are distinguishing yourself. I could see already actually how you're doing it from other rubs. Because you you could tell us the rub yeah. business is tough. Goodness, everybody and their brother has a rub. What makes yours stand out? Mine, I I, I value the fact that whenever you I, I'm 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 I sell mine mostly at like farmer's markets and things like that. I have a few stores now that sell it. The thing that I like is being able to have people smell it and taste it. You can't do that in the store, but 90% of the stuff that's out there, if you were to smell it in the store, it smells like feet. <laughs> like feet. <laughs> oh, you know, there are, there's a, there's a percentage of people that, anyway, we won't go. <laughs> we won't, we don't need to go there. Um, but yeah, salt and paprika are cheap. The stuff that's in mine is not, it's, it's a, it's a, premium brand um the stuff that's in there is i mean it's ground fresh it's it's put together for me that day and shipped out it's it's like basically you know boom 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 it's done i i buy in small batches i buy in 50 pound batches so Mm -hmm. my stuff's gone in a couple of weeks i order again so i have a two-week thing a rollover that that i have with my supplier and they're made for me in st louis i live out here in california where i can't afford to get them made 
but they are they they enhance the flavors of what you're putting it on. So it's one of the things that I I strive to do when I and when I started making these is I don't want to cover up that $150 piece of meat that I just bought. You want to be able to taste the tri-tip. You want to be able to taste the brisket. You want to be able to taste the chicken. And these are nice because they do just that. They just they just enhance the flavor of what you throw them on. My trail boss, the original one, I actually started out for tri-tip because out here in California, tri-tip is king. Santa Maria is salt, pepper, and garlic. You know, it's brisket. And I got tired of it, really. And so I came up with the the barbecue flavor of trail boss. And it's definitely a barbecue. I mean, when you think barbecue, that's the smell you get when you smell it and taste it. And uh, I do a reverse sear on a tri-tip where I put it on for about 45 minutes on the smoker, get a good, good dose of smoke on it. And then I pull it off and get it on a hottest fire as I can find, you know, five, 600 degrees, whatever I've got laying around. I got several cookers so I can usually find something. You put it on, put it down that hot fire for three minutes, rotate it again, get some good grill marks on it, flip it over three minutes, rotate it three minutes, pull it off, let it sit for half an hour. It's beautiful. It's a the beautiful thing. I get goosebumps every time I talk about it. It's so good. I'm getting goosebumps right now just hearing about it. <laughs> you should see it. Uh, it's it's so it's it's. I, I work in pictures whenever I I do this for people. I, I have to show pictures of what I'm doing. You know, they look at it and they go, "Oh yeah, that looks good." But I get a lot of good feedback. It's fun. Yeah. I enjoy the heck out of it. Your uh, prairie dust is is it specifically for poultry? Uh, it started out that way. It's really good on. It's really good for poultry. My wife's. I had the prairie uh, the trail boss for four years before I had any other rubs. My wife said, you need a chicken rub. So we came up with that one. Really good on chicken. I tried it. I, I When I'm doing my my testing, I try it on different meats and different cuts and whatever. Really good on rib tips. If you're doing the ribs and you've got the, those those barbecue ribs, are great, but you've got the rib tips, put that on there. And it's a polar opposite of what the, the ribs are. And they are so good. They just have a really great flavor. So there it goes on pork. Really good on vegetables. We use it. I mean, I cook with this stuff every day. That oh, in my macaroni and cheese, I use the prairie dust. Oh. I put it in the pasta water when I boil the pasta. I make the cheese sauce. It goes in that, and then the cheese that I sprinkle on top, I put a little bit in. It's just a lovely process. Yes. So James, you mentioned uh, it goes well on chicken. We get a lot of rub companies that come on, and some have very you know something that really goes with pork and something that really goes with chicken. Are there particular spices that you just know pair well with chicken? You use those in the rub? Yeah, you know, you've got your what one meathead likes to call his Simon and Garfunkel, rosemary, thyme, sage, <laughs> right? those right. things. Um, those always work well. All your herbs work really well with, with chicken. You want to stay away from anything that's real pungent. I have a thing for ground celery seed. A lot of people use ground celery seed. They use celery seed. But mm-hmm. the ground celery seed has this real piney, almost flavor to it and smell. And it really, it just adds something that people are like, what is that? I get, you get people, in, in, when you're in the rub business, you get people always trying to tell you what's in your rub. They'll <laughs> right. smell it or they'll taste it. <laughs> oh, is that cayenne? I'm like, no, I actually know there's no cayenne. Oh, really? I sure taste cayenne. I'm like, well, you don't. And then I say, oh, what kind of chili powder do you use? I said, well, actually, I'm averse to chili powder, too. I don't like chili powder. Everybody has chili powder. I wanted something right. different. So I don't use chili powder. And people, I, every day that I'm selling, people will be like, oh, I smell chili powder. I'm like, no. And so 
you you learn over the over time that certain flavors just don't work with uh say beef like like for my trail boss there's a lot of sugar in it and normally i wouldn't put that on beef it's just beef and sugar eh, you know you don't want that on right. steak it doesn't taste right, right. but dad burned it on a tri-tip it works so well there you go you just got to figure that out but yeah the the, uh, the 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 cool thing is is if you look at my double barrel it's actually whenever i'm making chicken for my wife i'm using the uh the, tr- the prairie dust but i like the sweet on the chicken so i'm using trail boss and actually i was using about equal parts so i dumped two bottles together prairie dust and double barrel trail boss and it became double barrel but yeah. that's my go-to for pork it's got the sweet it's got the savory it just merged together really, really well. And it doesn't taste like either of the other two. So it worked out really, really well. Now, James, on your website, it says rubs and sauces. Am yes. I missing? I see rubs. I don't have any sauces out yet. Okay. Um, when the pandemic started was when I was, things went from being $500 a deal to being $1,000 to being $1,500, just to get That's them out it. of my head onto the shelf. Mm-hmm. And it's it's at this point, it, it got to the point where I was in when the pandemic started, I was in almost 50, I was in 15 stores and we were spreading out to other states and and it, things were looking really, really good. Pandemic hit everything. The stores stopped selling. People stopped buying. So my income went from mediocre to about nothing. Mm-hmm. And so we had to we had to put the kibosh on that. But I do make sauce at home for when I'm selling a cottage kitchen deal so i can make it at home and then sell it gotcha, gotcha. i can't do it on the i can't sell that on the website you know what I, I love about the your presentation of bottles is is the western theme i mean it looks yeah. like you know with the cattle the the, the longhorns and, and the yeah. rustic <laughs> rustic uh, picture there uh, did you yeah. come up with that or is that you have to go everything, out that? everything to do with this company comes out of my brain uh, I do all the artwork. I do all of the layout for the labels. I do all of the, any advertising, any, anything, anything I have to do it because I just most at the point, one point I couldn't afford to get it done. So it was either me or the highway. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, doing the, uh, the naming, the names are hard to come up with because you don't want something that somebody else has. Um, prairie dust was a, a fluke because everybody and their mother has a prairie dust, but it was just like, no, that's prairie dust. That's, that's what it is. You ever see Dances with Wolves? And he's out there sure. he's walking and he's got his hands on the grass and he's just walking through there. And I told my wife, I said, I bet that smoked beautiful after a rain, if you can get mm-hmm. past the buffalo turds and all that. But the 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 aromatics of that must be wonderful. That's where I started with prairie dust. And that's where I that's how I come up with the with the the flavors that were in that. Your yeah. most recent one is that range rider? Is that range your rider? Yeah. I've heard good I, things about that. I've been, people were, were bugging me for years to come up with a beef rub and I kept trying, kept trying, and I wasn't happy with what I was coming up with. And finally, Buddy and I sat down and said, we got to get this done. And we started messing around with a few things. And after about six weeks of him and I batting things back and forth, we came up with this one and it has been really, really good. I've been really pleased with it. it right now it's outselling the others two to one. Really? It, Oh, people are just because it's so good on 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 brisket. It's really good on steaks. It's really good on burgers. I made the mistake of trying it on some pork ribs, just a, a, a rack of ribs, just test cook, and it was fabulous. It was like I'm a I'm a master KCBS judge, 
And so I've tasted a lot of ribs and a lot of pork and a lot of chicken. And whenever I get those ribs at, in competition, they're these candied ribs. Oh, and yeah. If you ever talk to a judge, they say the sweet wins. That's what the judge is like. Well, sweet wins because we have six sweet ribs. That's why sweet wins. And so, <laughs> but this, this rib with the, with the beef rub on it was, it was like the best pork chop I've ever had. So, and things like that. So. I was going to talk to you about that. That was the next thing I was going to bring up is that you are a, uh, a KCBS judge. And um, I happened to hear you on a, a, doing another interview and you talked about judging one, the one bite. And also you mentioned that you are a great chicken breast maker. Yeah, yeah. I am. <laughs> and I would love to know your secret because I went to thighs. I'm not a competition cook, but I went to thighs because they are the juiciest. They're forgiving. You know, I can overcook a thigh. You can't overcook a thigh. No, it's, it's well, that's the nice thing. If you do overcook a thigh, it's still got enough stuff in there to make it functional. Right. But yeah. The breast, you it's could, really, really yeah. hard. My secret is I always pull them early because they're going to, the carryover cooking on those is a long carryover. So if you pull them early when they're about 255, 260, right in there. And Wait, then cover, a chicken breast? Uh-huh. And you Not said what? 165, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I didn't want to like, you know, tell the guest, uh, yeah, I don't I think so. But <laughs> I'm thinking, James? <laughs> <laughs> no, I do that every once in a while. I get I get ahead of myself and I my my face doesn't work quite as fast as my brain. <laughs> But no, 165, if you pull it up at 155 and let it sit for half an hour or so while you're finishing up everything else, it will carry over cook to between 160, 165. And that's that's been my secret is that when you go to cut into it, then it's nice and juicy. Anymore, I can, I've cooked so much. I can tell by touch when they're done, when they're at that point, because, you know, when you handle things so much, you understand how the the feeling goes with them. But yeah, I make a, a, a thing called a, that I call Hawaiian chicken. It's just barbecued chicken breast with on rice with pineapple and green onions and sriracha. But you cook those, you slice that up and you toss that with some barbecue sauce. And if you've got a dry chicken, it doesn't work. It just, ugh. but with that, with that formula, it is so good. You know, before we start recording, you talked to me about uh, you used to be a competition cook, and you mm-hmm. were uh, you came your grand champion your first com- your first competition. So <laughs> that's talk, incredible. Talk to, yeah, talk to us about your uh, competition career. Competition career. Well, we started out like I said, I had a partner, and we we were invited to do this competition, and it was like, okay, well, let's see what we do, and it actually included tri tip. That's why they, one of the reasons they called us out there. We were getting a reputation for our tri-tip. And so we went out and, and did the competition with the ribs and chicken and, excuse me, and tri-tip. What else? Did, oh, and sausage. And we had mix. and we made sauce. We did all kinds of things. We just sort of went at it from a, let's just go have fun because we know we're going to screw it up anyway. So we, we did our thing. We got, we got called for first place in chicken. Then we got a, a second place call for sausage. And then we got a, first place call in tri-tip and a second place call in sauce and it was just a wow okay and when all was said and done we were grand champions and it was something that we had not planned on and uh, it's just gone to 
it was, it was just a fluke for us. That's what we thought. And it turned out it probably was because when we, we went to our first competition was at Knott's Berry Farm and uh, out here in Anaheim, we got there. It was on New Year's Day, did our thing. And we came in right in the middle. We were in, we were, I think we were 24th out of 50 teams, but uh, we got everything turned in. Nobody died. It was a good day. So <laughs> nobody but, died. That's, that's always, that always makes a good day. Doesn't make a good day. But yeah, we, we, we went on from there. We, we did a few more competitions and we would come in right in the middle. And we, I never really do you, you get guys who, who prepare for competitions. You know, they, they do test cooks and they do this and they do that. I, I really don't work that way. I, I, it, because the day is what the day is. I, I know how to cook. So it's like, I, I know what I'm going to do. So I just show up and I start cooking. And with that, I'm an average cook. So <laughs> um, it, it really doesn't bother me that I don't come in first place or that we, uh, you know, aren't, aren't getting all these trophies. They got no place to put them anyway. And it, it, it shows to go us that we, we do cook well. People enjoy our food. We, that's what, that's what I, I strive for. The, the championship, that's great when you can win. Um, I really like to win with my rubs. But, you know, when I'm cooking, um, the satisfaction I get, I, I, I cook for my family, I cook for my friends and, you know, everybody likes it. Everybody has a, has a good time. And I think that's most important. That being said, I'm probably not a very good competitor, but I, I have fun. No, that's the main <laughs> thing. Yeah. And that's all right. Cause I think my, my feeling is we get more backyard cooks on this show than, and maybe people that think about competing one day than actual yeah. competition cooks because yeah. You know, there's there's shows for that specifically uh, cater to yeah. competition. You know, there are people who that's what they do, and they strut. They 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 do really well at it. For us backyard cooks, ninety percent of the people I talk to are backyard people. Right. The people who buy my rubs are back. I I, I make this stuff for people who cook. Um, I don't sponsor any teams. I you know I I know I, being a judge, I've talked to every team that's out there just about least in my area and they've all gotten samples like hey i make this here try it see if you like it and most people do but i hardly ever get feedback from teams hardly ever and uh but people who buy it i i mean i'd say 50 percent of my my clientele are return customers you know i i enjoy teaching people how to cook i have you know 18 different cookers in my backyard and every once in a while i break out a video and and we'll show people how to cook a tri-tip on one thing or on the other thing or on the next thing. And how many cookers? 19 right now. Oh, okay. I, I thought you had a large, I <laughs> thought you were going to say a large number. Yeah. No, <laughs> 19. Come on. 19, you know, I know people that have, you know, 20, 30 and that I, but I think they count things twice. Like my 18 inch Weber and my 22 inch Weber. Those are the same thing. It's just one's bigger than the other. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I, I've, I'm lucky because I've run into a few people, uh, pit barrel sent me a, pit, a small pit barrel, Orion, which, uh, they sent me a cooker, which is like cooking on an upside down trash can. So, you know, I, I've been, I've been very fortunate. Um, I'm, uh, a knife company has sent me a whole bunch of knives that I use religiously. They're so nice as not having, you know, access to a lot of really nice knives. These were perfect. Mm-hmm. It just really, really good stuff. So. Um, yeah. Is there is there a particular cooker out of your eighteen nineteen that you have that you uh, use the most or you enjoy using the most? You know, it's this is hilarious. 
I talk to people, like I said, every day about p- cooking and people walk up and they go, well, I just have a Traeger. And, and how people are kind of ashamed that they have a pellet cooker. I'm like, great. I, I have a pellet. I have a Traeger that I've had for 12 years and it's the workhorse of what I do because I don't always have time to sit out there and <laughs> to sit out there and babysit a fire. Traeger works great. I have a green mountain. I have a Traeger. I have a big green egg. I have a gas grill. I have the uh, two Webers. I have the Weber kettle. I have a Santa Maria. I have the Orion. I have the pit barrel. I have just, it just keeps going and going. So proficient at, I would say, you know, 10% of them, we can get out there and, and, and try them on different things. Last year we did a spatchcock turkey on the Santa Maria, which is that up and down flat top kind of thing. And that was a challenge because I didn't have anything big enough to, to spatchcock a turkey on other than that surface. We went with it and I'll be darned if you don't take, if you take the lid off of the Weber kettle, put it over the turkey, there you have an induction oven. There you go. Great. It was a beautiful bird. Tasted great. It was one of those heritage breeds. So mm-hmm. them and and it just it's just amazing. It's like at Thanksgiving, I do three turkeys for you know the family of five that I have. Because <laughs> I can't make up my mind. Let's, let's, let's have this one. Let's have this one. But, yeah. And, and James, do you cook with your son? Yeah, tell yeah, us. Be the master judge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he started. Uh, as a judge, when he he would come with me when he was about starting about thirteen, can't be a judge until you're sixteen. But uh, by the time he was sixteen, he'd already been to twenty competitions. You need thirty to be a master. But you know, he started when he was sixteen. By the time he was twenty, he had all he was a master. It's funny to see he's the young gun in the in the tent. I tell you, got a lot of old farts like me out in there, and he's the new blood. You know, he's people ask him all the time, "What do you think?" Because he's he's had the experience, and you know, he's in, of himself. He's done probably I don't know forty five, fifty competitions. I've done almost a hundred, yeah. and you know, you like I said, you, you get six, seven portions each time. You've eaten, you know, a, a couple of ribs. You've eaten a few pieces of chicken, and he's he's gung ho. He likes the people. He loves. I go to the National Barbecue Association conference every year. Uh, was on the board a couple of years ago, and was able to to introduce Jake to a lot of people and be part of that. It was very very cool. Got real close with Kel Phelps from. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. Who? Uh, who? Human. Never heard of him. <laughs> you don't know who Kale is? Uh, we, we love Kale. We love Kale. <laughs> he He's going to listen to be like, yeah, you guys, exactly. You forgot me already? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a crack up. But yeah, I've been very, very fortunate. I mean, I, I, I've met everybody who's anybody in barbecue just about now. I've met you guys. Really? So you guys are top of my list. Thank and- you. Drop the mic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just I enjoy teaching people about this. I enjoy I have a passion for for cooking and barbecue just happens to be my my forte. I don't know about that, but uh, I enjoy that more than anything. I make a killer beef stroganoff. Yeah. So it's just all, it's all there. If you, whatever you want to do, let's do it. Well, you know, with, with all the different cookers I have with, the, you know, my dad had a restaurant when I was a kid. So I learned a lot there. I, I, I learned that I don't want to have a restaurant. Um, <laughs> I did some catering for a few years, um, learned that I don't want to be a caterer. Um, Cause people ask me this all the time and I'm like, no, I, I, I like the barbecue rub thing because I, if I get when once I get to it again, where when the stores need rubs, I make a phone call. 
the phone call or the rub will be drop shipped to them. I don't have to touch it. I, it goes from me to I. It's that's how it works. That's how I love it. I can get out there and I can su- support it. I can you know get people to buy it. But you know the the whole thing is I don't want to have to work. You mentioned uh, <laughs> you know a lot of people in, in the uh, in barbecue and looking at your website, the Wall of Fame. I mean, you certainly do. I mean, it, Wall of Flame. It, Wall of Flame. Well, a flame. Uh, I yeah, it, it, impressive list of uh, people that you've got met in, in barbecue. Yeah. That it, it's really uh, impressive. It's a who's who. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and a what's what. <laughs> it's like one of the first people I actually met when I went to the National Barbecue Association. This is when I very first started. And this is when I, that was the first year I went to the National Barbecue Association. They had it in San Diego here. Yeah. I met Mike Mills and... He became a lifelong, he's been my friend or was my friend for 10 years. Lord, mm. uh, God rest him. I, he's one of the yeah. best people I've ever met. I have both of his cookbooks signed by him. My prized possessions, him and Amy uh, are just, you know, great people. But Mike, uh, we were, we were in San Marcos, Texas. And I, I, every morning I would get up at the hotel and go get a cup of coffee. And Mike was there with me. He's, he's like, they have crappy coffee here. Let's go and get coffee. So him and I would spend the first two hours every morning just sitting there talking and, and all this stuff. And he was getting ready to do a podcast. And he said, he goes, what do you, what's your opinion of California barbecue? And for Mike Mills to ask me a question like that, I was just flabbergasted. I, I have news. Why do you ask me? No, no. How could you know? So that that was that was a high point of my life right there. And it's funny. I used to be a recording engineer for movies and TV. If you watch Dumb and Dumber, you can actually see my name go by. It's one of huh? the few that actually. Played. Really? Yeah, I was an ADR recordist. So I got to work with actors and directors all day. It was cool. It was a, one of those bucket list things. Now I don't have to do it. <laughs> but um, I met directors and actors all day long. And I'm not a starstruck person. I tell people this story all the time. When I meet Mike Mills, I'm like a 13-year-old girl. Every time I meet him, I'm like, Mike, Mike, hi, how are you? <laughs> it's kind of sad. But he just he just does that to me. He's I've watched him over the years and and listened to him and you know, the sage of barbecue just about. Just what he tells you is amazing. That's a regret. We we've had Amy on. Uh, we've met her, and uh, but but unfortunately we we were slow and we did yeah. not have Mike Mills because everything you hear about him is just he was a prince. Oh. And we just had who did we Jeff? We just had somebody on talking about Mike Mills was uh, Brett Lunsford. Was it was it Brett? Brett Lunsford, yes. Okay. You know you hear just. He he just was. He'd offer his advice to anyone. I mean, and and just yeah. Anyway, and it was always good advice. It was never, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Don't ask me. It was always he always had an answer for something. Yeah, that was that was like I said. That was it, it was a shame. I my son didn't get to meet him, and that was a big regret. And that stupid pandemic thing screwed up so mm. many things. So anyway, on a lighter note, I see you're with Danny Mike. Former yeah, like Andy Mike. <laughs> yeah, towards when I first started too. Yeah, he he he's got a great uh, rub company as well. Yeah. I he, mean, just he, then then he Mike introduced us to Artie Davis. Yes, oh, okay. yes, and now and yeah, he's Artie Davis has got to be one of you know talk about Mike Mills. Artie yeah. Davis and is just oh what what <laughs> a beautiful human being. 
he's one of those guys that it's on my list. I've been in the room with him, but I haven't gotten to meet him yet. You have to, you must eat quick story about it. I mean, we went to Kansas city to celebrate our 200th episode. Uh, Artie had been on the show. Like Jeff said, the one time we got in touch with him. He said, absolutely. We met him in person. And since then it's just, it was love at first sight. <laughs> yeah. He seems like a, just a, a really sweet person. Yeah. Yeah. He really, really is. That's, Jeff, that's one of the nicest things though about barbecue yeah. is it's really hard to, to run into a, a butthead. Exactly. I've, been in, I've had several careers, you know, with between computers, technology and Hollywood and, and barbecue. I'll take barbecue any day. The nicest people you get what you get. It's like with me. I, I stopped trying to impress people. I stopped trying to be something I'm not. What you see is what you get. I, I'm I'm very honest. I'm very straightforward. If if I can help, I will. If I can't, I'll say no. <laughs> and that's like, I don't regret not being able to help. I mean, I regret not being able to help, but I don't regret being able to say no because I don't want to drag you in. It get dragged into something that's not going to help. And so it's, it's, it's nice. Jeff, he has pictures on here. He was with Tuffy. Uh, Tuffy. He was with uh, Aaron Franklin. My, he mm-hmm. was with Tuffy. I saw a picture with Tuffy. Yeah, I've been, I've just, I cooked against Tuffy and uh, Myron and Junior all at once. They were cooking across from us, and I was cooking with Deuce Raymond. Dave oh. Raymond's you. We, and we just spoke to Dave Raymond just the other day. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> you like <Yeah>. his hair? <laughs> you feel up the long hair now? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Dave Raymond was talk, I believe, was talking to, about Mike Mills. I right. think he he said something about yes, maybe he also. No, so now let's go back to your walls of flame. I because I'm looking at this it, unbelievable. You did, you were with Stephen Reichlin. You did Barbecue University. Tell us about. No, no, you no. Did not? I came to the to the National Barbecue Association. Oh, okay. I no, thought I, I thought you went and did his. Uh, did his oh, cooking class. I have never taken a cooking class. Ah, okay. <laughs> um, I I live, you know, 20 minutes from Harry Sue, and I've never even contemplated it. Harry, Harry and I have cooked together and it's never come up. It's just been <laughs> one of those things. Yeah, he has a right heat because he has his <laughs> cooking class. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So a lot of these were taken. So the NBBQA is, NBBQA is the place the to be. Business of barbecue. Yeah, yeah. And it, that's it, where it, I meet most of these people. Uh, Steve, uh, at Franklin Barbecue, we actually got to go there after they closed. And we got there with our two busloads of people. And we get out and, and we got a full tour. And he cut us up some brisket. And he cut us up some ribs and gave us the whole deal. And you, he's right there. It was so nice to be able to have that interaction nice. without being interrupted by, you know, some schmo from Kentucky wants a picture. And, you know, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, that's great and all, but this is my time. <laughs> some of my best friends are schmoes from Kentucky. So just there you go. I, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I'm a schmo from California. <laughs> We're New York schmoes. There you yeah, go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's funny. I I just <laughs> sometimes I put my foot in my mouth and I don't even know it. Oh. <laughs> what what's that expression? If uh if something about I put my feet in my mouth so much I have athletes. Athletes tongue. All right. So so James. Track. Well, uh, tell us about when you met Chad Ward. 
Thank Chad, you. That's what Chad, I was going to ask. Okay. <laughs> Chad was at the National Barbecue Association. Uh, they were there with Traeger. He's a big Traeger rep. So he and uh, Danielle DBQ were there cooking. And uh, I was running around with, like a chicken with my head cut off. I was in charge of keeping everybody moving. So I would have, I'm running around making sure that, that they have what they need and that people are, are doing what they're supposed to do. But yeah, just being able to sit down and, and spend 10 minutes with these guys. He actually, I met him about four years earlier in California here. We did a, a bull barbecue burger challenge. And so we cooked hamburgers for the, the competition. He was one of the judges. And so I got to meet him then. And we, we talked about the burger that we made that was pretty darn good. I think we came in third. It's not bad, but it's it's nice because the the people that I get to meet are in their element, so they're they're not you know like running into people at the airport, you know it's not the same thing. But when they're in their element, people want to talk to you and they want to you know impart. So it works out really really well. James, what are the keys? You just you just said it. It became my next question. <laughs> we have a lot of backyard cooks who are you know they'll make burgers mm-hmm. what are the keys to a great burger you said you make great burgers 80 20 beef whether you grind your own from scraps or you buy it at the grocery store mm-hmm. don't buy a chub that stuff that's in a plastic tube don't buy that can't see it um you wouldn't buy a steak that way if you know if, if they wrap steaks where you couldn't see them you wouldn't buy them because you can't see the marbling and if you can see this the, the meat you can tell that it's fresh so you get that, you get the 60-20 beef, and then I make my own patties. Um, you, I have a burger press, so they're nice mm-hmm. and round. I like that. I'm, I, I, you eat with your eyes first. Presentation is everything. You make them nice and round. You, you flatten them out, and then I douse them really good with Worcestershire, both sides. And I mean douse them, not just sprinkle it on. Okay, Worcestershire. Okay. Corious coating of whichever rub I just have at hand, which is probably going to be prairie dust or uh range rider i like those really well on a burger so you but are putting, you're putting a rub. on both sides okay you put the rub on that down rub. make sure your friends and family are standing around when that hits the grill because the smell that comes off of there is just glorious it's it it makes everything worthwhile because then when they go to eat the burger they remember that smell and that tastes so good it's just uh, that whole process. I, I'm, I'm, my mouth is watering right now. It's like, I yeah. love that. Process. <laughs> Mine too. I, did that. I did that at Christmas. I did that exact thing at Christmas because I hadn't cooked with the, with the trail boss for a while. So I was mixing burgers and I did that. That stuff hit the grill. I did the, uh, and then when I took that first bite, that smell memory came back. The flavors were there. It just made for a happy time. It was just leave me alone for a minute. And <laughs> it's, and that's you what need I a moment, James. Yeah, that's what I enjoy about the cooking is that and I watching people enjoy what I've done. And uh, that's that's the best part. Yes. Yeah, it really Absolutely. is. That's why I mean I go way overboard at Christmas and Thanksgiving because we do a prime rib at, th- at Christmas and turkeys at Thanksgiving and. And I, I, I pride myself on my sides. If I try something different, it's usually a side that is is something I haven't done for a while. It usually ends up in rotation. So, yeah, it, it's it's like prairie dust is my Thanksgiving in a bottle because it goes on my turkey, it goes on my stuffing, goes on my vegetables. But it's just, I, I, I mean, I can talk about this stuff for days. I mean, yeah. I, I'm so passionate about it, cooking and making sure that people are getting the flavors they need 
because it's it's important now. World has changed, you know. I don't want to get philosophical, but having food with your family is important. Having good food with your family is important. And you know, we can I mean we have in and out out here, so I can go grab a burger, it's five minutes from my house. That's great. But if I can get out on the grill and take that extra 45 minutes to make a decent burger at home, it's it's all it's it's night and day. Night and day. And speaking about recipes and cooking, uh, you have a page on your website dedicated to recipes where people can just print out. And it's about what a dozen recipes, a little more here on this uh, on yeah. this page here. So it's it's terrific uh, to just click and download download the instructions. So uh, check that out, James. Before we let you go, uh, please let us know about your social media. I know you have obviously your website at www cucacattleco.com but you also have other uh, social media that people can reach out to you we have cucacattleco.com and then we have the uh what else do we have we have instagram at cucacattleco we have facebook cucacattleco.com or cucacattleco maybe cucamonga cattle company i don't know that stuff i have people <laughs> for that um but yeah they, they if you do cucamonga cattle company that all comes up um, we do uh, the the videos on on Instagram. We try to show people how to cook different things. All my recipes are my recipes, so I go through them and make sure I'm, they're all kid proof. My kids can make every one of those recipes. My banana pudding recipe, I I want to tout that. Um, if you like banana pudding and you don't like making banana pudding, because it can be it, there's only like three three recipes for banana pudding. There's the the cooking one, the magnolia bakery one, and the one on the box. This one, I, I narrowed it down. If you try the recipe, it's so much easier. It's pudding, it's whipped cream, and milk, and bananas, and you know that whole thing. Five ingredients. And it takes 20 minutes. And it's so good. Anyway. Nancy's Nanner Pudding. That's what we're, we're talking about, right? Yeah, she's the one who, she always made it. And I always sliced the bananas. And then uh, she died before I got the recipe from her. Mm. And so I sort of had to experiment for a few years to get it down, but man, it's good. I enjoy, I enjoy the heck. It's one of my favorite things in the world. And I can make that at like in 20 minutes and it's like, ah, oh. does look good. And it's yeah. not, it doesn't look complicated. It's not. It's you know? I've, I've, like I said, I dummy proof most of this stuff because there's me. It's just, like I said, I, I enjoy people having a good time with the food. And like, like I tell people next to my, the picture of the recipe on the main page, I put what rub I use with the recipe. Um, so you don't have to dig through to see what my rub goes with. You know, I bought this one. What, what can I use it with? And then I tell people, you know, you can use salt and pepper. You don't have to use my rubs, but boy, are they good with the rubs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and there's no rub in the Nancy's Nanner pudding. No, there is no rub in that. That's a no free rub. No, 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 uh, no tie-in recipe. I just, it's such a good recipe. I had to share it. <laughs> All of a sudden, I have a craving for banana pudding, and well, I, I'm going to make tell this. Tell me how bad it is. <laughs> I'm going to make this. You let me know. <laughs> James, we really thank you for your time. I mean, this is, just looks terrific. Everybody, go to cook. Cuckoocattleco.com, <laughs> order some rubs. James, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate Thank you. you. Thank you, James. We really enjoyed that talk and suggest everybody go to the website. Let me let everybody know that we are presented by Bet Online. It is, or as I say, it is where the game starts. But we're not starting, we are ending. 
So as we end, let's take a moment to thank our guests, Rennie LaRue, James Hare, and all our listeners. We thank all of you. We hope you've enjoyed episode 209. Looking forward to everybody coming back for 210. Jeff, how do we end the show? With the poet. Shel Krakowski. The musician. Dave Dresser. And the song. Baseball always brings you home. And we'll see you next week on episode number 210. And talk.